Salutations, friend, and welcome to the Profit Scale Podcast, where we help independent Black, Indigenous, and people of color entrepreneurs earn at their highest levels through securing corporate contracts. I'm your host, Ruth Joy Connell, your corporate consultant and sales enablement expert, and I'm on a mission to equip you with the systems and strategies you need to build a business of generational impact and income. Around here, we bring culture and coins together, providing all the learning, community, and support you'll need as you scale your business. So if you're ready to step into your next level of income and impact, then you, my friend, are in the right place. Turn up the volume and lean in, because we're about to get started. Well, hello, friend, and welcome back to The Profit Scale. I have been having so much fun doing these interviews and getting to speak with these amazing, amazing women. It just so happens that this season, all of our guests are women, but it's just been so awesome getting to connect with different people and also bring people who have been in my circle and in my network and get to introduce them to you. So I'm really excited about our conversation today because today I get to introduce you to Ivania Easley. And Ivania Easley is a certified personal stylist and published author who has over a decade of experience in personal styling and in the fashion industry. She's worked with hundreds of clients to achieve their personal best style, including New York Fashion Week, TBS, CNN, MSNBC, VH1, and Disney, just to name a few. So this just gives you a little bit of insight into who we're speaking with today. And she's also the founder and CEO of Styled by Love E, a personal styling on demand mobile app for busy professional men and women, giving them the armor of confidence that a good wardrobe can provide. Ivanya believes in empowering men and women through their wardrobe, enabling them to look and feel good and confident at every size, stage, and transition in their professional and personal lives. So I'm so excited to have this conversation. Ivanya, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm honored to be a guest. So Ivanya has been, I actually just want to talk about how we got connected first, because yes. I believe that that was through Alex's group and yes, I did a, a training. Yeah, in Alex's group. And then you reached out. So I had done a, a guest training in Alex Batdorf's group. And in doing so, Ivanya, you weren't even there live. I think you ended up watching the replay of the I training. Did. Yeah. And then reached out. And so when she reached out, uh, we got connected. We ended up working together on your pricing. And then since then, we've been connected. So that initial training was in 2021. So it's been two years since we first got connected and have been connected ever since, which yes. is amazing. <laughs> I know. And it's funny. I haven't talked to Alex in forever, but that is how we met. I had to reach back out to her and be like, hey, thanks again for connecting me. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's awesome when you can make a good connection with somebody yeah. and then you end up staying connected, yeah. even if that's not if you don't end up working with them. It's still yeah. amazing just to be able to connect with other people, yeah. other good people in this space. So thank you so much for being here. And I'm excited for our conversation today. So am I. Yeah. Before we jump in, I always love to start with the person behind the professional. So I'd love for you to share with us a little bit about yourself, who you are, and then also how you got into this career path. Well, a little bit about me is I love travel. I love style. I love fashion. I love all things pretty, as I say, <laughs> beautiful aesthetics, whether that be places, things, items, all of the things. And then, of course, experiences. As I told you, I just got back from vacation. So that was lovely. And 
getting to rest and get my creativity kind of back up and inspired because you get so busy doing all of the things and first quarter mm-hmm. of the year was bananas so I'm trying to ease into second quarter and not overwhelm myself like I did the first quarter but it was good <laughs> it was good I just worked a lot and so that's a little bit about me as far as the person I started my career of course I always think most creatives start by accident just being good at something and able to turn that passion and hobby into an actual business and a career or sustainable business so um, I love to dress. I love to style myself. I help family and friends. A magazine approached me one day and asked me to style a fashion show. They offered to pay me. And when mm-hmm. they paid me, it planted the seed that if they pay me, maybe other people will pay me. Maybe this is possibly a career path. Let me dive in and do a little research and reach out to people and kind of put it out in the universe that I'm interested in this and start the process of interning and volunteering and helping people so that I could learn the business and start my own business from there. So that's kind mm-hmm. of like the short version of how I got started or got prompted into thinking that it could possibly be a real job and not just something I was good at and enjoy doing. Yeah. When you get that first client, even when it's by accident or they seek you out and you weren't initially looking for it, it becomes a light bulb moment of, oh my gosh, this is valuable to somebody yeah. and they might be willing to pay me even more than what I just earned this first time around. Exactly. And it really does open up that door. No matter what your specialty is or what your expertise is, it it really does open up that door of, okay, I might be able to actually turn this into a living and make a living from it. (laughs) Especially when I think sometimes you take for granted the things that you're naturally good at. And doesn't think of it as like, oh, this is a talent or a skill, just like people with hair and makeup. Most of the professional ones were always really good at it when they were young, that dabbled in it or played around in it. And then they were able to turn those creative jobs into actual, you know, jobs. So why is style and fashion so important to you, Ivanya? I really think it's more about style than fashion. And mainly because a lot of times people have a negative connotation with fashion. They think like Devil Wears Prada or Vogue or Couture or just over the top, not accessible, not inclusive. So I always really focus on personal style because Mm -hmm. personal style is just that. It's personal to you. So your style is your style. is not my style and the next person's style and what you can do with that. So there's this quote that I love and it was like, you can have anything in life if you dress for it. And I believe that's, A lot of truth, not 100% truth, but a lot of Mm -hmm. it just because we are in a visual world. We're more visual now than we've ever been before with social Mm -hmm. media and with even everything that we normally would listen to. Now there is a visual aspect like radio and podcasts that you can actually listen to. So I say all that to say is because we're visual, people do see you first and they make all kind of assumptions about you. From the way you wear your hair to do you look clean? Do you look dirty? Do they like your outfit? Do they not? Does it? Do you look unkept? Do you look polished? Mm-hmm. Do you look competent, capable, professional? And so because that is the truth, light travels faster than sound. So people do see you first. There is a rule, 7-Eleven rule, as I call it. People make 11 assumptions about you in the first seven seconds of meeting you. So it's just like, what do you want the world to see before you open your mouth and letting your wardrobe and how you even show up as your personal character, personal style, dress how you want to be addressed. How you show up matters and how you show up a lot of time reflects how you feel about yourself internally, as well as how you want other people to feel about you. So Mm -hmm. I want to be able to help people have that message to match on the outside what's going on on the inside. I remember when, I think it was when we were doing your VIP day and you were sharing, there's always a segment where you get to just share about your business and the work that you do. 
and you were sharing, yeah. I was taking notes and so engulfed in just the way you were speaking about style, which was so different than I had ever encountered before. And it was also such a unique experience for me because I've never worked with clients who, yeah. who are stylists and who serve corporate clients or who serve larger organizations as well. So it was just such a interesting combination of the two. And it was so, it drew me in and I love hearing, I literally love hearing you talk about the work that you do because it's such a different perspective and is always so interesting to me. Yeah, no, I agree. I'm always like, you know, I'm not heart surgeon or rocket scientist, but I might dress one. And so if they <laughs> feel good about how they feel about themselves that day, they're going to do better work. You look good. You feel good. You're going to do better. So mm -hmm. maybe, you know, if I dress your heart surgeon, they're not going to make any mistakes while they're on the table because they feel confident. <laughs> about their capabilities because part of it is they look good, especially mm -hmm. with women because we are more emotional. A new lipstick or a new hairstyle is going to boost your confidence, let alone a whole wardrobe or an outfit that makes you just feel like, I'm going to go in here and I'm going to crush it. I'm going to kill it. I'm going to get that promotion. I'm going to get that date. I'm going to get that new job. I'm going to get whatever it is that you want to get. It's just adding to that armor experience, resume, education, your character, and all the things that make you who you are. Part of how, what makes you who you are is also how you show up and how you look. I, absolutely. I know for a fact that when I feel good in my clothes and when I'm dressed in a way that I like, I definitely show up more confidently in everything that I'm doing. Even if it's a simple thing like going to the store, I'm like, everyone's going to be looking at me because I look so good. <laughs> like, exactly. Even if it's something small. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I totally agree. And people can feel that. And it reflects like, wow, you know, she is really carries herself, your posture, everything is going is to make a difference. So mm -hmm. I just want to help people with that area of their life. Because most of the other areas, like all of my clients are like super smart. They have multiple degrees and all the things. But sometimes they just got so caught up in being so good on the inside, they forgot to take care of the outside to make sure it all matches and goes together. Okay, so tell me more about how you started to look at working with organizations as an additional revenue stream to the work that you do. What sparked your interest in that or how did you get started in working with organizations and governments, and counties, etc.? The funny thing, it kind of started because of my clientele. So I noticed that a lot of my clientele were corporate professionals, like they worked at Home Depot corporate or Cox Communication corporate or Delta mm -hmm. or recently Atlanta Hawks corporate. Mm -hmm. They worked in these corporate spaces as C-suites, executives, directors. And so since that was my core clientele, my best clientele, I was like, why don't I go to the source, which is their companies? Mm -hmm. And if I go <laughs> to the companies directly, I can get more of these type of people instead of like, oh, I got one here, I got one there. So I decided, well, what if I could work with the companies directly? And then that would kind of be a lead gen or a lead funnel to more of my ideal clientele. So that was what led me into that. And then also... Mm -hmm. Quick story, I did a lunch and learn. I used to do lunch and learns for corporations because I wanted, of course, to get in front of my ideal audience. And one time I went and did one at HP and I got there and they had like a personal trainer there. And she was telling me how basically she gave up her private personal training business because she was making so much money as a personal trainer just for HP employees because HP mm -hmm. hired her to make sure their employees were healthy as far as like working out and taking time to work out. So they had like a gym on site. And I was like, 
if they're going to pay somebody to make sure the people look good, like what? I mean, like, you know, feel good as far as working out, et cetera, as an additional mm-hmm. benefit beyond medical and dental, why would they not add in wardrobe or personal styling services or things of that nature? So it really kind of got my wheels turning on. Let me stop doing these lunch and learns and try to work with companies as a direct contractor for their business. I love that you share that story because I think it's so important for the women in our audience to see that there are so many different ways for you to work with organizations. And it really doesn't matter what your area of expertise is, there is a space for you. So as a personal trainer, you might think like, how am I going to be working with organizations? But here you have this woman who has found a way to literally make more than she was making outside of that by working for this one corporation and securing this one contract and being able to provide her service to a very uh, specific group of people. And so, and that's also part of why I love the work that you do and love that you work with organizations as well, because it really just shows that there is space for you, no matter what you do, as long as you believe in your work and you believe in the value and impact of what you're bringing to the table, there is an organization out there that will be willing to work with you. I mean, and that's not even the only example. I know a girl that had like a massage business, same thing, partnering with them, offering massages. So I was like, okay, another one, meditation. So it was just like, all of these are not traditional type of benefits. So if they could do it, I could possibly get in there and do it as well. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Absolutely. Okay, so I want to shift a little bit to talk about the pricing work that we did together because it's it's all going to come together in terms of Of working you know, with organizations. But I remember when we first started working together, you had done the price for profit VIP day. And so we focused on pricing your current services for your current clientele, but then also for the organizations and governments and those other larger opportunities with organizations as well. So in doing that, I'd love for you to share when you first heard about me and the work that I do and and maybe had watched that, that training that I did, Where were you at in your business that maybe made you want to reach out or that made you interested in working together? When I saw the replay video of you and what made me want to connect with you is not one, everything you were saying on the actual webinar that I missed and watched the replay. But it was like, hey, I really want to work with companies, but I'm not even sure pricing wise where to be because I've been B2C my whole business. And I Mm -hmm. knew even with pricing that that could get to be tricky. Like, well, how much do I charge? You don't want to lowball yourself, but you don't want to be higher than everybody else. And I feel like a lot of times, at least with my industry, the price is not always out there. Like stylists aren't just saying what it costs versus like hair or makeup, you know, the average of what it costs to get your face done or nails done or hair done, et cetera. So it seemed like it was kind of closed mouth. And then also knowing what I charge an individual is not what I would charge a company, but how do you know what's the best price for a company? And Mm -hmm. I knew that I wanted to go, like I said, to the source of my ideal clientele. So if I was going to go to them, I wanted to come really knowledgeable and not come in like, yeah, you know, I want $100,000. And that might not be the entry point versus also saying I want 5000 And I know that was too low as an entry point because I could get an individual to pay that much. So mm-hmm. trying to find where was that sweet spot, how to even position myself once I figured out the pricing, what was the entry point. So all of that, what you were talking about on the webinar made me want to learn more from you and sign up with you to learn how can I get the pricing so that when I do pitch these people, I'm coming from a place that looks like you're not my first pitch. I don't know what I'm talking about as far as numbers. 
that pricing aspect of it too makes such a big difference in the confidence that you have to to show up to those opportunities. I know that when we had gone over your strategy and the services that you were offering, again, both for your current clients and then for these organizations, we made some changes in the structure of how clients would be paying to shift it from the one-time payments to paying over a year. Can you share with me how has that impacted your your business so far, those changes? Because it's been over a year now yes. where you've had, you know, more than a full year of yes. implementing those changes and seeing how that's impacted your revenue, your clients, et cetera. Yes. So can you share that with us? Yes. No, it made a big, big difference. I am so grateful and thankful that we connected <laughs> about that. It was not only you telling me, of course, you did tell me to raise the prices. And even then it was just like the numbers you were saying, I was just like, I don't know, you know, I'm all about like definitely asking for what you're worth. But I was just like, this might be a little bit too far, Ruth. (laughs) (laughs) I I tested it. I was able to increase it. My current client stayed with it. And then the whole packaging about spreading it out and making them retainer Mm -hmm. clients and that residual income was definitely a game changer. I mean, I make over six figures now without having to go and look for it because Mm -hmm. all of these clients are on retainer. So this money, like even while I was on vacation last week, a bunch of the retainer payments came in. So it was like $3,000 came in just last week. I was on the beach, not doing no Mm -hmm. work, but the payments were coming in because it was, it was their time to pay their, their fee. So Mm -hmm. it was really great. And then when I came home, I had a client yesterday because she's on retainer. So it was like, I had work, but I also don't always have to spend so much time looking for the work or trying to Mm -hmm. close the deals. It frees up my time to feel like I'm at least confident that this certain amount of money is coming in every single month. And then anything else, I can try to get more clients that way on retainer, but as well as not feel like every month I'm guessing like maybe it'll be a 20,000 month, maybe it'll be a 30,000, maybe it'll be a 10. I know I have a baseline and then everything else is up from there. So that was definitely a game changer. I wish I did it sooner because <laughs> <laughs> it definitely made a difference. And now I'm just raising the retainer rate so that I can yeah. get more of those people. And once I get to the number I want to get to with the retainers, I'm at that point will not even accept any one offs going forward anymore. I will Mm -hmm. only focus on the people that are on retainers. Oh, I love that. Good for you. I'm really excited. And I think I can hit that before this year is out between that Mm -hmm. and then the B2B deals that we're working on. I think the combination of the two would, I guess, to me, relieve the, as I call it, the work to get to the work, because I don't think sometimes when people are running businesses or People are not in business. I don't think they always understand. Like people are like, oh, you're working. You're making all this money. But I'm like, no, you have to do like the work to get to the work. So like when I'm servicing a client, yes, I'm making money for servicing a client. I'm not making money when I'm focusing on marketing, when I'm following up, when I'm trying Mm -hmm. to sell, when, you know, all I'm doing the work to get to the work. And so Mm -hmm. when I finally do am getting paid from it, it's like making sure I'm getting paid for the time and spent doing the work as well as the time that I actually was working. I'm so happy to hear that about just the impact that it's been able to have on your on your business and even just allowing you to be able to take that vacation. When we first got on the call, I was one of the first thing I said to you, I said, you're glowing. Like you look good. (laughs) Your vacation (laughs) is showing. (laughs) I mean, and I traveled before, but when I was traveling before, because I'm I'm big on like, I'm going to take a break. Like these clients and these bills are going to be here when I get back regardless. But Mm -hmm. this was the first time or the first vacation I've been at where money was coming in and I wasn't doing anything. Normally I go on a trip and then as soon as I get back, be like, hey, you ready to book an appointment? Because 
basically <laughs> spending all this money while I was gone and now I'm back and I need mm-hmm. to get back to the money. So this was the first time it was like, oh, I'm coming home and I'm coming back to work. But there's not this frantic, oh, my God, I have to make money because I was gone for a week. I was making money mm-hmm. while I was gone for a week. Oh, I love that. I love that. And then with this pricing strategy that we created for your business, how has that also impacted the way that you show up to engagements with larger corporations or when you're having that, whether it's preliminary discussions or you're in negotiations, how has that also affected the way you show up there? I think I feel more confident. I was always a confident person, but I think I feel more confident and mm-hmm. my value and my worth and the pricing because I know I'm not necessarily too high or too low. And if anything, I'd rather be too high and have room for negotiation than to be too low and then end up getting less than what I wanted to begin mm-hmm. with. I think it's just really helped me be more confident with how I'm coming to the table, how I'm pitching people and knowing like, hey, this is valuable. Um, This is what I have to offer and this is what it costs. Mm -hmm. Um, And if we need to negotiate and also negotiating that, okay, it's not, I'm just going to change my number. Is if I'm going to change my number, you're going to get less. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And making sure it's not just, oh, it's just as easy as me asking for less. No, like I had a, a client I mean, I ended up working with them, but they wanted a three-hour workshop. And I was like, okay, it's going to be like $1,000 an hour. And they were like, oh, well, wait a minute. We can't. I was like, okay, well, if you can't do that, that's fine. But we can't do three hours in. We can mm-hmm. do 45 minutes or whatever the budget allows because that is the starting number mm-hmm. versus before I might have done it completely for free and hopes of I'll get potential clients from it and that will make it worth it. And the goal is to still get potential clients, but still get paid for what you're asking me to do. So I think that is the place I'm coming from. Even just yesterday, I was talking with my PR girl that I used for my metaverse show that went really, really well in the first quarter. And so it went so well. I was like, I want to continue to work with you going forward because she did give me a lot of press, TV, magazines, all the things. And she was like, you know, what's the first thing you want to focus on? I was like, anything revenue generating. So <laughs> I don't want to just focus on a lot of press. Sometimes press, I mean, press is good as far as like adding to your credibility, but it's not necessarily translating into dollars. So I was like, let's focus mm-hmm. on those speaking engagements. And she was like, okay, are you willing to do any for free? And I was like, well, not really. Um, the only way it needs to be free is if it was like, you know, South by Southwest, like a big, gigantic platform where mm-hmm. it's going to make sense to show up and get in front of that audience because of all the potential deals that will be there. But just in general, no. We need mm-hmm. to start at a thousand an hour at a minimum and just go up. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love hearing that confidence. And you're right. You have been, you're someone who already had the confidence, but then to be able to have that with your pricing yeah. and working with these larger organizations and knowing that you don't have to compromise on your end in order to be able to have a working relationship with them, that is beautiful to hear and it's music to my ears. <laughs> individuals because with the new pricing that you did give me I did get some pushback not mm-hmm. for my current clients thankfully because they're all still with me they went with the numbers even with the price increase that I gave them for 2023 they all was with it so I was like oh, okay yeah 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 but for newer <laughs> people I've had conversations everything's going well and then we get to the price and they was like wait a minute how much 
Oh, well, I and me being like, okay, well, you know, that's the price. Um, if not, you can work with a junior on my team, maybe, or just circle back with me, but not being like, I'm going to compromise to get you because I do have mm-hmm. people that are willing to pay it. So I'm just like, well, you're not my person and au revoir. Like, I can't work with you because <laughs> I don't want to compromise when I know the work that I'm going to do. And I know me, I'm more of an over deliverer than not. So if I don't charge yeah. what I'm worth, I'm going to end up feeling like I worked for less and frustrated and irritated with you and myself because I gone and took the job for less when I know how much work is involved in it and why I want to get paid what I want to get paid to do it. I don't really know how to scale it back to make it cheaper. So I just need you to pay me what it is. Yeah. Yeah. This is the service. This is the price. (laughs) You mentioned the metaverse event that you did recently. Can you speak to that? Because you have such an authentic way of connecting with people and creating opportunities or even just seizing opportunities and, and I'm going to talk about that in the in a second and ask you a little bit more about that. But can you just talk about that metaverse event that you recently did? Yes. And that is really what is propelling me for the next, the rest of the year, actually, and even into 2024, because it went so well. <laughs> with the event, it kind of got started back with the fact that the last two years, early after the pandemic, I created community during the pandemic as a pivot, mm-hmm. because obviously what I do during the pandemic, we all were at home, the stores weren't even open. So what I did as far as the service, nails, hair, styling, shopping, all of that was shut completely down. So for me, mm-hmm. it was like, well, how do I pivot and survive this year of business? Just like all of all of us businesses was kind of like, this has never happened in the world before. Like, what are we going to do? But my clients, none of them lost their jobs. They were all working from home. So I knew they still had revenue. So I just focused on creating community and redirecting their revenues to all the online shopping they were doing with my vendors and then creating commission, but keeping mm-hmm. that engagement so that when we were back in person, They wouldn't be like, where were you for the last year? It was like, I was here with you the whole time. So as soon as you were ready to shop again, I was right here and you were thinking of me first. So I saw that to say is we created these fashion shows and we did Mm -hmm. them and they were great. But then I noticed other people were doing fashion shows and I was just like, I don't want to go into 2023 doing the same thing that everybody else is doing because now I've done it. Now everybody's doing it. So I was like, I have to do something different. And that's where the metaverse, the VR headsets came into play. So we did a 3D virtual reality fashion show. So what we did is we filmed it in 3D and we provided headsets at the show. So when people put them on, it looked like the model was modeling for them personally within the headset in this 3D environment that we created. And it transported them there without them actually ever leaving the venue we were in. And we got such a good response, such good feedback. Bloomingdale's came on as a sponsor. They wanted us to come in and do an activation in store, which we did, along with them sponsoring our event and then wanting to do stuff in the future. Two of our major premier malls, we had a conversation with them yesterday. They're interested. I was like, yeah, so maybe we could do it at Nobu because that's one of our partners and all of the things. So being able to take that proof of concept that I did for my audience and my clientele and community and now be able to package it up and sell it to retailers. I have a meeting with Accentra, who represents multiple retailers to talk to them about how we can partner with their retailers for this unique, innovative experience for consumers to have another way to shop beyond just online and brick and mortar, which was the Mm -hmm. whole premise and concept of the show. And because it went exactly how I wanted it to go and beyond and even better than what I imagined, we're now taking this to package and sell to organizations, companies, retailers, for them to have this experience because nobody else has done it 
here in Atlanta. And I haven't seen it done anywhere, period. So Mm -hmm. because it's so unique and new and nobody else is doing it, everybody, of course, wants to do it before everybody's doing it and introduce it to their audience. And so Mm -hmm. I'm super excited about being able to package this up and sell it as an activation for retailers for the rest of the year. I absolutely love that. First of all, congratulations on just the success of that event. And I know, you know, we talked about it and touched base briefly in the weeks leading up to it. And I love hearing whenever you do events, you have such a way of connecting with your audience where they show up for you. And that is seen as well on the other side for corporate organizations who are looking to partner with small business owners and looking for specific services where they see like when Ivania is doing something, there are already people behind it. Like there are people already waiting in line to show up and to be a part of what she's doing. So I want to talk a little bit about the way in which you network and the way in which you build relationships with people, because you do that so well. And I, I want you just to share that with our audience. What's your approach to relationship building? I really feel like it kind of just boils down to people are people Mm -hmm. and regardless of their title and what company they work for, you have to approach people like a person and like, hey, you know, how you're doing and what's going on and not I just want to sell, I just want to pitch you. So I think I start initially with just like, hi, you know, I'm interested in connecting with you. A lot of people that even... Even like with Bloomingdale's, how I got involved with them. I went to an event that somebody else was doing, but I knew I went with intention that, hey, is that Bloomingdale's? I want to make a connection with Bloomingdale's because they're a major Mm -hmm. retailer that I want to pitch. So I went, introduced myself to the general manager because she was at the event, followed up. Hey, I met you at the event. It was great meeting you. I love to talk to you about some things that I'm doing as far as retail and tech and innovation. And if you're open to listening, let me know. She told me, oh, I'm going to Trinidad for Carnival. And we talked about that a little bit, her girls. And then we got into what I wanted to do. She was like, it sounds interesting. I don't know. I'm going to shoot it up to corporate. Corporate loved it. And then they called me and was like, I'm calling you from Paris Fashion Week, but I'm so interested in this deal. Da, 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 da. And she approved it and said, the go ahead. We negotiate the pricing and they pay me. But I'm just like, hey, it's a relationship and just making your introduction and getting personal with people while still mm-hmm. being professional. Because nobody is actually like my personal friend, but there's this working perfect professional relationship where they find me personable, engaging, professional, and on top of, for lack of, excuse my French, on top of my shit, as far as my (laughs) business and like really being about my business and making sure everything is going to be a reflection of them in a good way, as well as me Mm -hmm. and not sloppy and just doing what I say I'm going to do with everybody involved is really keeps the same people keep coming back and gravitating with me and being able to maintain and keep those partners and relationships year after year after year. And you attend a lot of events as well as host events of your own as well. So how do you decide which events are going to be a good investment of your time in regards to having a return on investment, whether that's in a monetary form or just in the sense of a relationship and and making a connection like you did recently with that event at Bloomingdale's. All of the events are based on just like the Bloomingdale's. So normally any event I go to, the intention is, well, I'm part of an organization. So there's that. So I'm part of National Black MBA. So they have an event tomorrow night. I'll be going there to meet a mentee, but I'll also be going to network with other people within the organization. I usually go to things that I'm a part of as far as organization wise. So 
National Black Arts Festival, they are interested in the metaverse activation. So we actually have a meeting later today. So I'm a part mm-hmm. of organizations where I know I want to either work with the people within the organization because they're my ideal clientele or they work at those ideal companies that I love and want to work with or the organization themselves is also an ideal potential client too. Mm-hmm. And right now, everything I'm a part of is a combination of both. But I do find, like you said, as being a personal stylist, the blessing about what I do is is not going to be as many of me in that corporate space. Most yeah. of the fashion people are going to be in the fashion world, which is why I say I don't focus on fashion as much as I focus on personal style. So when I walk in a building, I'm going to be the only stylist there nine times out of ten. And everybody else is going to be, oh, I sell insurance. I'm a financial advisor. I'm real estate. These are like the most popular. And they has 10, 20 people of them in that same where I'm going to mm-hmm. always stand out because I'm not, wow, that's what you do? Because people aren't expecting me to be in professional spaces or professional places. They're thinking I'm just going to be a fashion stuff. So mm-hmm. that's the plus. Networking to me, where your clientele is going to be, yeah. potential clientele, being intentional. So I really only go to things that I can either meet somebody or I know I want to meet somebody on that panel or whatever the case may be. Or I'm going to support someone who's been supporting me. Mm-hmm. So if I'm not an event to network and meet people that I'm trying to connect with and do business with, then I'm at events to support people that support me. So that mm-hmm. it's a, a circle of support, so to speak. I think it's really important to not always just expect support, but to give it. You have to give what you want to receive. So I'm big on supporting all the people that come and support me. You made a statement about the fact that usually when you're attending these events, people don't expect you to be there. And I think that is a powerful tool of being in rooms that maybe people don't expect you to be in. And maybe that typically you wouldn't attend. So they're not necessarily within your industry, but there are people there who can still be contacts, prospects, potential clients, or even connections to, yes. to that end. And I think that's such an important strategy as well, because we recognize that, of course, you have your industry events that you can attend. Yeah. But even outside of that, there's still value in being in rooms where you might be the only person offering that specific expertise. Yes. And that is just a gem that I want to make sure that our audience walks away with. There's no competition. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Because you might be the only person providing that service, you know, in a room full of different other kinds of professionals as well. So I, I just loved that. I wanted, wanted to take a second to highlight that as well yes. so that people see this is also a strategy and approach that you can take to building relationships with, with people who can become prospects and partners for you as well. And it's really been working for me quite well. So, I mean, it is important to network within your own industry for those collaborations. But at the same time, if you spend so much time building collaborations how are you going to collaborate to serve anybody if you're not actually meeting people to serve, which is where collaborations come in. I have to have enough clientele for me to even use my collaborators that I meet. I'm curious, as a Black woman offering your services and entering into very different kinds of spaces, especially when you're working with organizations, how do you show up in a way that is authentic to you as you are still you're looking to make different connections, build relationships, et cetera, but recognizing that there are different challenges that we face as Black women and as women of color. So how do you navigate these spaces? 
Of course, because of what I do, it starts with what I'm going to wear to the event. <laughs> so I know as a creative and as a fashion stylist, when I'm in a creative space, I'm going to be a little bit more edgy, a little bit out there because I can. And when I know I'm going to professional spaces, I'm going to be more corporate. But I still got to mm-hmm. put a little, as I call it, a little sauce on it. So if I'm going to go to a corporate event, I might have on a suit, but it might be leather or it might be bright pink or something that makes it still unique. And I'm going to stand out, but still be appropriate for that occasion. And then I think it's just really being true to yourself and people like people that are authentically themselves. Okay, so I want to ask just a couple final questions here about how we who are looking to work with organizations and looking to secure corporate contracts, what's one way in which we can use our personal style to help position us as a stand apart from maybe all the other people who are offering the same or similar services to what we do? I think it's knowing your body type, knowing what flatters you. So maybe fit and flare or maybe a pencil skirt, a silhouette, like just knowing your body and what's going to work best for you. What do you feel most confident in? What color complements your skin tone? Uh, Mm -hmm. What silhouette flatters your shape and figure? And if you feel like whatever that piece is that you put on makes you feel most confident, that is going to be, of course, the most helpful. And then maybe actually conferring with a professional personal stylist to get some tips and to get some Mm -hmm. feedback on your style because sometimes you just get into a rut of wearing the same things over and over or those same five outfits but you have a whole closet full of clothes so sometimes you just want a professional opinion the same way you may get a professional opinion on your hair or your skin by going to see a hairdresser esthetician or a makeup artist they're going to just do a little bit more than what you can do because that's their lane that's what they work in they know all the tips, the tricks, the products, and where to go and get wet. So do I when it comes to wardrobe. And I mean, that's even if you want to keep it like, I only wear black, white, brown, and whatever. I can still give you tips. Or if you only wear neutral colors, or I only want to wear flats, or I want to only wear two-inch heels. Like there's something out there to elevate every person's style, no matter how stylish. You don't have to be like, oh, I don't want to look like a supermodel. You don't have to look like a supermodel. You just need to look like the best version of you. I love that. And then what advice would you give to a woman who is just entering into the the B2B corporate space, but maybe feels like they don't have an expertise that's traditional in the sense of they're not, you know, an executive coach or a consultant of some kind? What advice would you give to her? I would say almost like how you told me during the training, figuring out what is it. And this is almost with everything. If you're trying to pitch or sell something to somebody, you got to figure out what is it they want. And so I would do the research of finding out like what is these com- what is this company's core values? Where do they do? Are they big on diversity inclusion? And you're a woman and a woman of color. That might be your entry point. Are they big on mental health? And what you do is focused on mental health or self-care. That may be your entry point. So I think it's about doing the research to figure out where could your possible entry point be so that when you talk to them, you're not trying to they're not trying to figure out where you can fit in, but you're already giving them options on where Mm -hmm. you can fit in to make the pitch go a lot smoother than, oh, we don't do that. We're not interested, but it's more like, hey, this is what you do do. This is where I fit in. And Mm -hmm. let's talk. I love that. Ivania, where can people go to connect with you and learn more about you and your work? 
They can go to my website, loveefashion.com. And then my name is so unique that if you type it in Google, all the <laughs> things will pop up about me. I've not met another Ivanya. That's also, they could go at everything, social media, all the things will pop up. But my website also has all my social media platforms and my email. So that's an easy place to go in a one-stop shop and find me. Awesome. Ivanya, thank you so much for, for oh, being here today. For sharing. <laughs> <laughs> me too. Me too. And I'm so glad you know, I said this before we began our conversation, but it is so important just to showcase the different kinds of professional services that people offer because there's a space for you no matter what it is that you offer and what your expertise is. And you are just testament of that. So thank you so much for being here today. Thank you. I appreciate it. I, of course, always enjoy chatting with you. All right, friend, if you enjoyed today's discussion, be sure to connect with our guest on social media using the links in the episode description. As always, I'm so grateful that you chose to spend this time with me, and it's my hope that each episode plays a part in moving you one step closer to building a business that will have a generational impact. Friend, I need your help. It's my mission to provide this podcast as a resource for women and women of color entrepreneurs all over the world, and I can't do that without you. Every time you leave a review, it helps increase our reach, making it easier for fellow women entrepreneurs to find us. Will you take a moment to leave a review for the podcast? This small gesture means so much to me, and it's the best way you can support us if you love the podcast. And if you've left a review before, you can leave more than one. Every review goes a long way. All you have to do is hit the link in the show notes to leave a rating and a review, or head over to Apple Podcast and leave us a review and rating there. And will you do me one more small favor? Take a second and share this episode with a fellow entrepreneur. Sharing even just one episode can make a world of a difference for the person listening on the other end. On behalf of myself and the team, thank you so much for supporting us in doing so. I'll be here at the same time and same place in two weeks. And until then, I wish you coins, confidence, and all the bags. Talk to you soon, friend. Mm -hmm.